Well, we want to continue in our uh, journey through uh, uh, Genesis, and uh, we have come to a very interesting uh, place. Uh, we're going to move on as much as I would love to just dwell in the 18th chapter of Genesis, like, you know, for a really long time. We're going to move on to chapter 19. And uh, Genesis chapter 19 is a, uh, it's a famous chapter in the Bible, as we'll see, because it's even, you know, written about in a number of dis- different places in the Brit uh, Chadashah. And uh, there's a lot of valuable lessons to learn from this chapter. A lot of them have to do with making right choices from the beginning. Otherwise, we have impossible decisions to make uh, in the middle of things. You know, have, you, have we ever been there, right? That if I hadn't made this decision, now I wouldn't be in this conundrum of choosing, making an impossible uh, uh, choice. And uh, that is a lot of what we see in, in chapter 19. Uh, we see here a contrast between uh, Abraham and Lot uh, about how they handle uh, themselves uh, and their lives. Uh, we learn uh, some interesting things culturally, about, uh, in the, especially in the ancient world, about hospitality and how profound hospitality was in the ancient world. And, uh, and while uh, in our uh, own world, uh, hospitality is important, w- one of the things we might learn uh, from this chapter in combination with what we see in chapter 18 is the paltry view of hospitality that we have. We're like at the, uh, you know, while we might look at uh, in chapter 19 and say, whoa, they're like over the top in terms of hospitality. We might look at our own culture and say, we're like at the opposite end of the spectrum, that it means almost nothing, right? Uh, and, uh, and so there's a, a lot, um, there's a lot to learn, a lot to uh, learn here. Okay, so chapter 19 is the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, right? <clears throat> the hail, fire, and brimstone, the, you know, the demise of uh, the city, that became a very famous, like a byword, you know, in the rabbinic literature, Sodom. You know, don't be like Sodom and Gomorrah. And that is clearly represented in the New Covenant, in the Brit Chadashah, uh, by Yeshua, where he talks about uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, uh, and, uh, and the judgment that will come with rejecting the Messiah, rejecting Yeshua. And then we see it even later on. Uh, how one of the things we learn from the New Covenant is ultimately how the Jewish world understood what happened at Sodom and Gomorrah. It's really helpful to us. It's, um, you, you, did you know that um, you know, Jewish scholars study the New Covenant? Did you know that? Uh, because it serves as a treasure of information about first century Jewish understandings and views of things. Because if you're, um, especially if you're, if you're Jewish and you grew up Jewish, you know that there are two kinds, of, basically two literatures that are the religious literature of Judaism. Oh, why am I doing this with so little time? Oh, anyway. Uh, and, uh, and that is the, you know, the Tanakh, right? The Tanakh, the, what we, people commonly refer to as the Old Testament Right, we don't use that terminology, but the, the Tanakh, and then the rabbinic literature, like the Talmud, right?
So what we may not know is that there's about a 600-year black hole between the Tanakh and, and the time period that we read about there and the rabbinic literature, you know, the Mishnah and the, the Talmud. If you don't know what they are, don't worry about it. But, uh, uh, but that's where we get our information. In Judaism, that's where you get your information from those sources. But there's a 600-year gap, <laughs> right? Well, it's not like uh, uh, God went to sleep, uh, you, you know. He was quite active. And th that's why the uh, ancient Jewish literature that's written in Greek that is not uh, authorized by the Jewish community, but it's Jewish literature, and it serves as a backdrop for the New Covenant, you know, like the... the, uh, like the the Maccabees and uh, Enoch and, and those things. They're not part of the Jewish scriptures, but they're Jewish writings. They're written in Greek, but they're Jewish writings and, and, and give us some information. But also, what we don't realize is the wealth of information that's in the Gospels and in the Tanakh because they reflect Jewish viewpoints. Wow, whoever says anything like that, right? Uh, you know, most people, you see the New Covenant, you see one big fat ham and cheese sandwich, right? Uh, but uh, that is certainly not the, not the truth. It is not the case. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, when it comes to Sodom and Gomorrah, as we'll see, probably now next week, we'll learn uh, a lot uh, uh, about the Jewish understanding of Sodom and Gomorrah. And that will help us in our understanding uh, as, uh, as well. Okay, so chapter 19, right? Uh, so we remember it's connected to chapter 18, and that is, remember that you have the three visitors that come to Abraham and Sarah. One of them is clearly the Lord, okay? Uh, and uh, Abraham and Sarah are told that by this time next year, you will have a son. We read a lot of detail about the hospitality that they show. It says a lot about the relationship between Abraham and these three uh, visitors, the Lord and these angels, okay? Uh, uh, the hospitality tells us of their relationship. Well, we talked a little bit about that already. Then we see uh, there's a second story in uh, chapter 18, and that is where Abraham questions God. If there are 50 righteous, will you destroy the city? If there are 40 righteous, 30 righteous, 20 or 10 righteous, will you destroy the city? Will not the God of all the earth do justly? Right? So we see Abraham's concern for the innocent. Remember, we, we, we define there, it's not righteous as in like godly people necessarily, but innocent people. Innocent people. Is God concerned about innocent people? Uh, and it tells us something because it tells us that Abraham is concerned about innocent people. And therefore, we need to be concerned about innocent, uh, innocent people on so many levels. Uh, you know, innocent people that suffer in this world. Uh, whether we're talking about human slavery that exists in so many places, in, in, you know, in our world or in our inner cities or wherever it might be or whatever, whatever the situation is. Are we concerned about that? You know, one of the, uh, one of the sad things uh, about 
uh, our concerns as believers, as a, as a believing people, is that we tend to be uh, not that concerned uh, about the plight of uh, helpless people in our world. Uh, we tend to categorize people as believers or not believers, you know, uh, as opposed to uh, you know, people who are oppressed, people who are not, and, and other you know, things of that nature. So it's very important. There's a lot there in uh, chapter 18. Uh, and remember the hinge in chapter 18, what ties those stories together and plays a, a big role in, therefore, what's going on in chapter 19, for you can't really appreciate chapter 19 without chapter 18. And that is in verse 19 of um, chapter 18. There's like two stories that are held together by a hinge. And the hinge is verse 19. For I have known him. Okay? Uh, chosen is not the best word. It's yada, yadati. I have, I have known him. This is what God says about Abraham. Uh, in order that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice in order that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he had spoken uh, to do. And that is to be a blessing, to be a great nation and be a blessing uh, in the earth. Uh, and, uh, and so we see this, this illustrated in, his, in Abraham's life. Okay, so now in chapter 19, we come to the scene changes to Sodom. And we see a lot is the center of attention. But interestingly enough, Abraham will appear at the end of the passage. Okay? All right. So let's begin reading. Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening as Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. And he said, now behold, my lords, that's, you know, small l, small o-r-d-s, um, a, you know, a, a, a sign of respect, that kind of thing, my lords. Please turn aside into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise early and go on your way. They said, however, no, but we, we shall spend the night in the square. Yet he urged them strongly so that they turned aside to him and entered his house. And he prepared a feast for them and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. So there are some interesting things to contrast between the hospitality of uh, Abraham and uh, Sarah and the hospitality of Lot. First, it's kind of interesting that uh, these uh, two angels are very reluctant to go into Lot's house. What I would simply suggest is that what this whole description in the verses that we're going to read is basically doing is explaining to us just how wicked Sodom is. We, we tend to take it apart and get very um, consumed with the details. It's good to think about the details and understand them. But the point we want to come away with is, this is a wicked place. And so therefore, uh, the angels are... They're uncomfortable here. They're uncomfortable. Uh, and notice the Lord, you know, someone's missing. Uh, the two angels go. This is a wicked, wicked, wicked place. 
the angels are uncomfortable here. Uh, the Lord is not appearing here to Lot, but it's quite clear. I mean, the you can't get any. The two angels came to Sodom, okay? And so uh, uh, they do come, finally, uh, into Lot's house. We do see on Lot's end that his desire to show hospitality. And again, hospitality is, uh, you know, is, is, a, is a major issue. When, when you would invite someone into your home, you are, in, in, in this culture, this time, and remember, this is like long before Yeshua, <laughs> you know. I mean, if Yeshua was teaching this, he would have said, in back in that day, <laughs> you know, it's not a flat earth in the Bible, like thousands of years go by, you know. I, so in this ancient time, when you would take somebody into your home, you were saying, I'm going to protect you with, with my life. Uh, I'm going to care for you. Uh, I'm going to give you what you need. There was a, a real sense of uh, servanthood, of giving, of uh, you know, imparting favor upon people Okay, when you would bring them in. So this is very important, of course, in chapter 18, but here also in chapter 19. So to Lot's credit, he, he wants them to come into his home. Lot is, as we would call, a mixed bag. Okay, all right. Uh, so they come. They they eat, and you know they, he prepared a feast, baked bread, and they ate. Now it doesn't tell us, you know, that they killed the fatted calf here, but they ate. Okay. Then it says, before they lay down, the man of the city, the man of Sodom, surrounded the house, both young and old, and all the people from every quarter. And they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may have relations with them, that we may know them. Okay? I, I will say it is, uh, you're really stretching it if you think that it's uh, chit-chat and a cup of tea. Uh, okay? Uh, this is bad. All right? As the New Covenant uh, helps us understand We'll uh, look at those passages in the Brit Chadashah. But clearly, words like, you know, immorality, wickedness, uh, they, uh, they wanted these men. All right. Uh, okay. But Lot went out to them at the doorway and shut the door behind him and said, please, my brothers, do not act wickedly. Okay. So, uh, based on what we know uh, from this text, and uh, based on what we know about the, the uh, uh, Sodom, and even what we know about Lot's daughters later on, later on meaning like the next day, or soon after, that I, uh, I don't think it is a, a too far of a stretch to say they wanted these men for sexual purposes. Okay? I, there are a number of texts in the uh, scripture where the word know is used for sexual relations. Uh, uh, they wanted to know them for wicked purposes. So there you go. All right. I, now behold, I have two daughters. Now this verse is, right? Now behold, I have two daughters who have not had 
relations with men. Please let me bring them out to you and do to them whatever you like. Only do nothing to these men inasmuch as they have come under the shelter of my roof. So there, you know, basically we're understanding uh, what was taking place at this time. When you add up the, uh, the tremendous value placed on hospitality uh, and the place and role of, of women, you know, in, in the ancient world, uh, you see uh, what Lot is uh, doing. Uh, obviously, we would never look at this and say, oh, that's great, Lot. Great idea. You know, I wish I would have thought about that myself. No. What we're supposed to get out of this is the whole situation is horrific. There is nothing redeemable about this situation. That's what we're supposed to get. You know how repulsive you feel when you read that? Whenever you read that verse, you feel it's like repulsive. That's how you're supposed to feel. Like, this is horrible. Because it was horrible. Because Lot should have never gone to Sodom in the first place. This was not the place for him to go and to live. And so what happens? You know, you make one wrong choice, many other wrong choices come your way. See, very important for us to get. You know, uh, a, a story later on in the Bible is kind of similar to the not similar, but sort of makes the same lesson. You know, when they put the Ark of the Covenant in a cart, right, to bring it to Jerusalem, from Kiriath Yarim, right? Were they supposed to put it in a cart? No. They were supposed to carry it like on, on poles, right? Uh, but they put it in a cart. So what happens? It tips over. So the guy who's standing next to it has a choice to make. Do I let it hit the ground and be destroyed? Or do I try to save it, right? You know, and so he tries to save it and he dies, right? No good answer. No good choice. Uh, and, uh, and so that's what, we, what, that's what we see here, right? Now, by the way, you know, as I was studying this, I thought it, uh, something else that's kind of interesting here. We know that uh, certainly as time goes on, as thousands of years, go, hundreds of years and thousands of years go on, uh, this idea of sending out the daughters would have been, uh, would have been an abhorrent practice. You know, even in the days of the, you know, even even in the days of the judges, this would have been an abhorrent practice. But even though it might have been done, okay, uh, uh, and certainly by the time you get to the new covenant uh, in the Jewish world, this is an abhorrent practice, okay. And then, isn't it interesting that around the world, as time goes on after the days of Yeshua, things cultures change, okay. Now, on a continuum, you know, it takes a long time for things to change. So we might look back, you know, hundreds of years and say, wow, it was pretty bad back then. But it's better than it was thousands of years uh, previous. So may I suggest the influence of the Word of God over a long period of time in this world has made a difference in the culture of the world about what the world considers acceptable and unacceptable. But now it seems that the tide is turning back the other way, that, the, that uh, not much credence is given to the Bible or to the God of Israel. 
And what happens is like, we revert back uh, uh, and start moving backwards. And I don't know about you, but it kind of feels that way uh, in, you know, to a certain degree. So here we see that's, this is what the world was like uh, in those days. All right. But they said, stand aside. So these are the, you know, the people saying to Lot, stand aside. Give us these men. Right? Furthermore, they said, this one came in as an alien, and already he's acting like a judge. He thinks he owns the place. Right? Now, we will treat you worse than them. So they pressed hard against Lot and came near to break the door. So Lot is considered a gare. You know, uh, and this means that he is a somewhat of a temporary resident here, but one, importantly, who does not have uh, inherent rights in, in this place, okay? So that's important, uh, that, uh, you know, they're, they, they don't like Lot either, uh, and it shows them, it shows us the lack of hospitality that uh, Sodom showed toward outsiders uh, and uh, the sinfulness that goes along, the sinfulness that goes along uh, with it. Okay. But the men reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house. Now, this is the, the two angels, right? You, can you sort of get the, like a visual, right? That they, you know, they, uh, they brought him in uh, uh, and, and shut the door. Uh, and they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness. It kind of reminds you of a story uh, in the king, story of kings with Elisha uh, and the Arameans, where they're struck with blindness, but not absolute blindness. They're sort of they they're, they're with bad. They're struck with bad vision, uh, actually, because they continue to move forward. It's kind of so you get this. It's sort of like the same kind of thing uh, going on here. Okay. Uh, uh, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves trying to find the doorway. So we see the two angels uh, are really functioning as intercessors for Lot and his uh, family and uh, do miracles to save their lives. Okay. Then the men said to Lot, uh, Whom else have you here? A son-in-law and your sons and your daughters. And whomever you have in the city, bring them out of the place. For we are about to destroy this place, because their outcry has become so great before the Lord that the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So now here we see a kind of interestingly, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but you know, if these two angels didn't come to Sodom, Lot would not be in this predicament either. He'd still be hanging out by the gate, right? So it seems, you know, the, the presence of these angels accentuates the, uh, the hatred of the, of the wicked people of Sodom, you know, toward Lot and, and these, uh, these godly uh, men, right? And oftentimes that is what happens, that, that godliness accentuates hatred and persecution and uh, you know, all of that toward those who uh, know the Lord, those who have a relationship with God. So now the, the men warn Lot and, and his whole family, get out of here, right? Now, something else that's kind of interesting in verse 13 is that 
you know, where, what is the outcry? I don't know if you've ever wondered that. What is the outcry? Who's crying here? Uh, uh, the righteous people? Uh, the outcry of the city has become great. It's kind of interesting. Uh, uh, every other place, just about, I think, every other place, uh, maybe except one, uh, the outcry is from those who are hurting, uh, you know, uh, uh, but you don't see sin crying out. Now, one place that's kind of interesting, we're not trying to turn to it, but in the fourth chapter of Genesis, the blood of Abel cries out, you know, from the ground, uh, which uh, maybe it's something like that. You know, the, um, the sin of Cain cries out, or, or therefore the, the blood of Abel cries out. So perhaps maybe, you know, uh, in Sodom, people have been violated horribly. Perhaps that's the outcry, the, the outcry of those who are innocent. Now, we don't read about anybody but Lot and his family getting out of, uh, out of Sodom. Uh, and, uh, but perhaps many have died. We, we don't know. We don't know. But we could say God hears the outcry of sin, uh, according to this text. This sin or its ramifications. God hears the outcry. Even if nobody is literally crying out, God hears it. God sees it. Even if nobody is crying out. And so uh, we see the outcry to the Lord uh, was, uh, was great. All right. Then Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who were to marry his daughters. That's a very helpful little part there, right? So who were the sons-in-law if he had two daughters that never had relations with men, okay? Maybe they're related to uh, Cain's wife. I don't, no, never mind. That, that was too far out. Okay, uh, I, so it, it, it's helpful to us. Uh, who were to, to marry his daughters, right? And said, up, get out of here, for the Lord will destroy the city that he appeared, but he appeared to his sons-in-law to be jesting. Now, before we uh, condemn them horribly, although they, we don't read about them getting out, uh, that, uh, you know, maybe it was too preposterous of a thing to say. You're going to destroy this place? Get out of here, you know? Uh, uh, similar to what? Old people are going to have a baby? Get out of here, right? But perhaps we see that it's not so much the outward expression, but what's going on in the heart. You know, uh, maybe that's the difference between these sons-in-law and, uh, you know, and uh, Abraham and Sarah. But again, let me remind you that this whole narrative, this whole story is supposed to get us to understand this place is wicked, all right? So that's what we want to make sure that we get. So wicked that they couldn't even believe that, you know, uh, how could anything destroy this place? And when morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife uh, and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. So it tells us that, uh, yes, uh, God will spare uh, a lot, but they have to make a move. They have to leave the city. Isn't it interesting? That it wasn't like, okay, so you won't leave? Okay, now we're stuck. Now we, now we can't judge Sodom uh, because you won't leave. 
doesn't work that way. That's ridiculous, right? So the angel is saying to them, like pleading with them, go, leave. And so they must act, okay, in order to be, in order to be spared. All right. So uh, we see, but he hesitated. So the men seized his hand and the hand of his wife and the hands of his two daughters for the compassion of the Lord was upon him and they brought him out and put him outside the city. So again, that's why we, that's why what we're supposed to get out of this. Look at how much God wants to spare Lot. They don't budge. So he pulls them out and it says, because God had compassion on them. You know what's interesting? This is not the word rachum. It's a different word. Uh, and it means more like to spare someone. In other words, the content of the compassion is a little different than like when we're in uh, uh, Exodus 34. It, it's close. They're almost synonyms. But what the compassion is, is to have pity on them and to spare them. And, uh, and so that's what, what this word is. So that's kind of interesting. Okay? The, the emphasis is on sparing them, on saving them, okay, from, uh, from destruction. Okay. Uh, but Lot, oh, so then we see, uh, put him outside. And it came about when they had brought them outside that one said, escape for your life. Do not look behind you. Do not stay anywhere in the valley except to the mountains, lest you be swept away. But Lot said, Oh no, my lords, now behold, your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have magnified your loving kindness, your chesed, your loyal love, which you have shown me by saving my life. But I cannot escape to the mountains, lest a disaster overtake me and I die. Now behold, this town is near enough to flee to, and it is small. Please let me escape uh, there." Is it not too small that my life may be saved? It's interesting. First, Lot doesn't want to leave. Now, he's afraid because he can't get, get away fast enough, right? Uh, and so uh, it's kind of interesting that, you know, once he gets, uh, gets the picture, he definitely wants uh, to live and recognizes that they mean business. And he said to him, Behold, I grant you this request also not to overthrow the town which you have spoken. Hurry, escape, therefore, I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the town was called Zor. The sun had risen over the earth when Lot came to Zor. Then the Lord raised on, rained on Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities uh, and what grew on the ground. But his wife uh, from behind him, looked back, and she became a pillar, uh, and she became a pillar of salt. Okay. I, now, I, I guess we're going to have to stop there. Now, what does this mean? Of course, there's a great picture here. Next week, we're going to continue right where we left off. But I will just say, this is a great picture of the deliverance of God, isn't it? A great picture of God saving the life uh, of uh, you know of Lot and his daughters uh, and his wife. However, his wife looks back, and certainly there's a verse that we'll look at next week in the Gospel of Luke, where we remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. 
Uh, and what's interesting is that the Brit Chadasha uh, uh, in, in, in uh, Luke chapter 17 is not accentuating the sin of uh, Sodom, but the lackadaisical attitude that they had, that they did not even think of themselves as in sin and going about their daily routines and not realizing that judgment was about to come. But you see, uh, that is exactly how our world operates, not realizing the, the great sinfulness. But you see, when we talk about what Yeshua has done for us, he has changed us. He has changed our worldview. He has changed the way that we view this world. And it gives us so much meaning when we read, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son. He has taken us out of Sodom and delivered us to the, you know, to the presence of God, even though we live in this uh, world. And we'll talk more about that. But uh, clearly what we see here is the great compassion of God in saving Lot and in saving his daughters. His wife, the angels wanted to save her, but she would not cooperate, you know? Uh, And uh, she looked back. So may we not look back. Uh, May we be people, of course, who are secure in Messiah Yeshua. And the wonderful thing, or the difference between Yeshua and here is, in the Gospel of John, we read that uh, in the sixth chapter, that the Lord loses none of those whom he has saved. Doesn't lose any. All the promises are yes in Yeshua. Yeshua is like the, the vault, you know? Yeshua is like the guarantor of our future, okay? It was not like uh, uh, what we see here in Sodom. And when Yeshua is speaking to those people, uh, they, were, they were deciding, is he the Messiah, is he not the Messiah? You, you know, and uh, again, we'll talk more about that next week. But may we uh, recognize uh, the deliverance uh, of, um, of God. And uh, let's pray. Lord uh, God, we thank you for uh, this um, reminder, Lord, that in our own lives, first, we're reminded of your salvation of your deliverance, of your saving us, of your sparing us, Lord. But secondly, we also learn that we live in this world, and Lord, help us to make right choices. Lot should have never been in Sodom, and look what happened. Lord, we, we pray, Lord, for each other, that maybe today we are living, quote-unquote, in a place where we should not be. Lord, may we have the courage and the determination to move out of that place and to really trust you. Lord, blessed is the person who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. They shall be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, grow and flourish, and not be like a bush in the desert, which is in a sad, dying place. Lord, thank you, God, for the life that we have in Messiah, for the good news of the coming of the King of Israel. We pray in Messiah's name.